0: Happy Friday, football fans. Tyler Terrence along with my main man, Devin Kerr. Thank you so much for tuning in again as this is the second ever episode of the SCCL show as we are getting closer and closer to our first matchup. We'll preview that first matchup in this episode. Seattle and Olympia is going to be our first one, but Devin Kerr. Looking forward to the weekend, and uh, we got a lot of exciting things on tap, and we actually have some new news for you as far as content is concerned, as we now are going to have the audio rip from this show and going to be available on podcast. Right now it's available on Spotify and Anchor, so whether you're grocery shopping, working out on the treadmill, or maybe just taking the dogs for a walk, like Devin Kerr, I know he likes to listen to his podcast. You now have that option. Mr. Kerr, how are you, my friend? How <laughs> vain does that sound, that I walk and listen to <laughs> our own podcast. Not our podcast, no, good news podcast. is a podcast. Yeah, yeah,
1: they brought us back mm-hmm. another week. For now, uh, honored to be back with you, and it it really is—it's astounding to think that it's right there, right? The tournament is right there, and how much fun now! You know, the initial show was great. We got to cover kind of a little bit of everyone. We dabble, but now we're getting into the nitty gritty. Now we really get right into these games. And first up. Seattle Sounders Olympia
0: and we'll take a look at the two teams just overall give you an idea of exactly who they are Seattle fans. I'm sure want to know who Olympia are and vice versa. Take a look at the Sounders and Olympia from Honduras. Of course, Olympia have actually won the first ever edition of Scotiabank CONCACAF League back in 2017. 31 time national champions as well as three time Honduran Cup for the Seattle Sounders. Not nearly as illustrious of a history as long as a history. But if you look at their numbers and what they've been able to do since their first season, about 10, 11 years ago, they're certainly right on pace to, to be what Olympia is at this point in time, maybe 100 years down the line. But you, know, you and I won't be around, but that's okay. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Life and longevity are, are run, run deep in my veins. But you know, we, we obviously see the founded
1: 2007 Seattle Sounders, obviously part of a USL franchise before that. And they were great then, too. So you know, to continue on, but this is a team, if you take a look at squads coming out of the MLS, that's royalty right now, right? I mean, mean, they've done it all. At this point, it has to be. Three out of the last four finals, they've won two. That's not bad. Oh, by the way, you go back to the early part of the decade, three Open Cups back to back to back. A lot of the personnel have started to move on, but the message stays the same, right? Let's win, and let's win it in emphatic fashion. They're coming off an MLS Cup champion, so here we go.
0: Well, these two teams are not unfamiliar with each other. They have met before, and that's what Garth Lagerwey was talking about down in Mexico City in the draw about a month ago, and we'll take a look at what that matchup just sort of unfolded and. You know, two teams that are obviously very good and very talented. Again, they've been around the block, especially Olympia. I mean, you get a look at this Seattle Sounders team that has a lot of the same familiar names on this roster: Stefan Fry, Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris. You get a look at the late Ziggy Schmidt, and of course Brian Schmetter, who is now the head coach of the Seattle Sounders. This is back in 2015-16. It would eventually be the Sounders taking control of this group. They would split the series over the course of this two game series in the tournament back when it was group stages but really as you can see it's actually albert the least scoring the goal for olympia of course is with houston dynamo last in major league soccer um it it looked like a very physical match Devin. when you and i went back to go look at it what are you expecting just from a very generic standpoint between these two
1: sides well for seattle sounders first and foremost you have to take a look at okay what are they going to be able to do going forward coming off of the conversation we had last show, and if you're just joining us, didn't be able to catch it, that's okay. You can jump on the social media platforms. CONCACAF, they have it all. How's Seattle going to reload? H- how are they going to now step in a little bit? We know what Will Bruin's capable of. They get Brad Smith back. Harry Ships in the midst. Kim Keehee, that future is still uncertain. So a team that has a boatload of experience, but again, they're going to need some reinforcements. In Olympia, you and I were talking about this off air. Not the greatest start to the league. They're only two games in, the one and one, and you kind of had a little joke about, okay, maybe they needed to back off the cards a little bit, the emotion, yeah. but they were severely lacking emotion in their CONCACAF league games coming down the stretch and they just couldn't get it done. So there's a lot to play for Olympia, but they really need to
0: reorganize themselves because they've definitely been wishy washy. Well, this Olympia side, their last appearance in Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League was 2018, actually against New York Red Bulls. It finished 3 1, and for This Olympia group, you know, they've done really well in CONCACAF tournaments before. Overall, they're 18-9 and 15 in CONCACAF Champions League since the installment of the modern format. As you can see, this Olympia group, very passionate, very talented, stingy on the defensive end. Ever Alvarado was one of those X factors that we're going to continuously keep an eye on. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Sounders, their last appearance was 2018 as well. They ran into a bit of a buzzsaw in the second round. They took on Santa Tecla in the first. That's when Jordan Morris actually tore his ACL. They lost the first leg, and ended up winning the second leg against Santa Tecla. Here are some highlights from their MLS Cup winning season as they were able to take down Toronto FC in the third part of that trilogy. Raul Rui Diaz, who's been the leading goal scorer in the talisman for Seattle, absolutely magnificent. And they were knocked out of the 2018 scotiabank Concacaf calf Champions League by Chivas, who would go on to win it in 2018. And again, whenever you see these MLS sides match up with Mexicans later on in the tournament, that's when your mouth starts to water. Those are the really, really juicy fixtures. And Devin, going to ask you this question. I know that there's a lot of things for Olympia that, that we need to sift through, especially from a tactical, emotional, and just from a downright clearance standpoint. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later on, and we'll show you exactly what we're talking about. At a base level, what excites you about this matchup? I think, first and foremost, the first leg
1: and the stadium moving a little bit. Okay, now let's go to the national stadium. They have a lot of experience there, Olympia, so that's, that's not a cause for concern. Capacity, you're going to pump a couple extra thousand into it. That's fine. The fact that Seattle Sounders are going to have to go on the road and challenge them that's what excites me, because it's it's the question marks for both teams. Okay, can you bring enough emotion? Can you reset your roster a little bit? Obviously, Olympia's got a head start. They're two games into their season. They're going to be a bit further down the road. But you got to go on the road if you're Brian Schmetzer and the boys. Garth Lager. you got to go on the road, and you got to get it done and set a precedent and then come back and kind of go, okay, do we need to regroup? Are we where we
0: want to be? I mean, for me, that's what it is, right out of the gate for you. And and the biggest, the biggest thing for me, I think, is that When you look at these Central American teams, when they're taking on MLS teams, it's like when MLS teams take on Mexican teams. It's their Super Bowl. This is their opportunity to play in front of a packed century link stadium and take on one of the better teams within the continent. So for me, it's about being able to refocus and and not even refocus, but just focus and, and establish some sort of rhythm in your first real competitive match of the calendar year and trying to go into a tough place to play. Because if you remember in that 2018 uh, tie between Olympia and Red Bulls. Rebels really had to work for it in the second leg. It yeah. took a Sean Davis deflected goal in the second leg at Red Bull Arena. They drew the first leg. So these Central American teams, they love going up against MLS sides, and they view it as a really good opportunity to showcase themselves.
1: Funny how in the showcasing side of things, when they're trying to continue to promote their own talent, that was an interesting comment. I understand it's coming out of Saprissa, but another one of our teams that's in the tournament. And they said to us, they were spiteful about it. They talked about how We want our talent to be seen. We don't want to be looked down upon. They feel like maybe they are slighted a little bit when it comes to MLS teams and that they look down and say, okay, we're not on par with them, almost as if the teams from Mexico looking down on MLS squads, MLS doing the same thing to the Central American teams. So it's kind of like, okay, not only do we want to beat them, but we want to promote our players so that, again, direct quote from Saprissa, we're not trying to sell them across the border or to go to the MLS. We want them going over to Europe. Yeah. So, again, it's that added fuel to the fire, and it just makes for really nice matchups.
0: It's always territorial battles when it comes to Scotiabank ConcaCAF Champions League. Devin mentioned it before. There truly is no place like home. Let's see what that's going to mean for Olympia they're going to have to change venues. We'll dive deeper into that and what the six hour drive is going to mean for the fans. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the ConcaCAF studios, and we are going to take a deeper look into the Seattle and Olympia matchup. And as Devin mentioned before, the break. There's a little bit of a venue change for this Olympia group, and Devin, I I know nobody likes to be displaced from their homes. I had a a leak in my apartment a few months ago that was a bit traumatizing. I had to be placed in a hotel. They paid for it, of course, but I know that you're having renovations soon. Nobody likes to be displaced from home. It's a very stressful time for these Olympia fans and for Olympia. Devin, I'm going to pose this question to you. You played at a very high level. Having to play in this big of a tournament six hours away from where you normally play, what sort of impact is this going to have on Pedro Atolio's side? For any other squad, I would be heavily concerned. The reason I'm
1: not is two, number one, they're familiar with the venue. They play games there on a regular basis. It's the Honduran national team's home venue. So they're all going to have familiarity within that. Also, the passion within this country for the game itself. Any time that someone else from another country starts to step in, club or domestic, or excuse me, domestic or national. We see them rally around. It rallies around it. it does not matter what the colors are at that point in time. And yes, you're going to have the locals that are going to stay with their team. But this is an event. It's not a Friday night thing where you're going out to a boxing match. This is, it doesn't matter what day of the week, what time things are going on, they are going to rally around this squad. And especially when they find out a team like the Seattle Sounders with all their pedigree are coming in, they are going to give them everything possible, 37,000
0: plus screaming fans. Well, Devin mentioned the pedigree of the Seattle Sounders team and their Major League Soccer Cup winning season in 2019, despite a rather... An unimpressive regular season. I don't think many people had them pegged. I think LAFC was by far the favorite in the Western Conference. And that posed the question for Devin and I, our producer R- Roberto Fernandez, what have past MLS Cup winners look like faring in Scotiabank, CONCACAF Champions League in the following season? And here's a look at the past MLS Cup winners in the now in the modern format with this knockout round starting in the round of 16. Now, there's a modern format that goes back to 2008. But as far as this new format in the calendar year, this is the most apples-to-apples way we can compare it. Of course, Toronto FC, they win in 2017. They get all the way to the finals, and they were a Michael Bradley-Scott penalty away from potentially winning it for the first time for Major League Soccer. Atlanta United... Bit different situation because you have Miguel Amaron leaving, going over to Newcastle United. Frank DeBoer steps in after Tata Martino takes a new job with the Mexican national team. So it, it was a little bit of a different look. Toronto FC had all their guns loaded and they were ready to go. That was their team that won with a few extra pieces, and that's how close they got. And of course, Seattle Sounders were going to see how they fare. And with all of that said, when we go back to the, the formats, I want to ask you this question. We had an original format where we had group stages, and then the quarters, semis, and finals were actually played in the following calendar year. You didn't have your first group stage game of Champions League in the old format until around August. Now, we start in February. For Major League Soccer teams, which format benefits them the most?
1: It's a good question, but I'm actually going to let a friend of ours step in first. Someone that we had the opportunity to, to pick his brain a little bit because he's Talking about pedigree, he's got a little bit more underneath the belt. Demarcus Beasley was kind enough to to grace his presence at the draw down in Mexico City, and he kind of gave us an idea of where he was going to go with this question. So let's start with that, and then we can double back around. Let's start with Demarcus Beasley and how he feels about the question.
2: It's difficult, you know, especially coming off uh, a preseason where, you know, these games are basically your first game, your real game. You haven't really got a test of, you know, real competition. You know, you're coming off, you know, especially in speaking from experience, you know, three months out of, uh, you know, at MLS not playing, and then going and playing a high-level game in, the, in, these, in this competition is difficult, you know. So, and now, what, what I think is 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 different from the past is that MLS is bringing young, you know players not just the older the old guard you know yep. 29 30 32 they're bringing in 20 21 22 year old players that are worth six seven eight million dollars and then maybe sell them you know years to come but they're bringing in those type those type of players so they can compete you have you have to you have to do that you have to those those types of clubs are going in that direction i think to be able to compete in this competition just now you have to do that
0: Great stuff from DeMarcus Beasley, of course, who needs no introduction. I mean, over 100 counts of U.S. men's national team. Outstanding pedigree Major League Soccer. Who could forget his game-winning goal in the 84th minute against Toy in last year's Bank Concacaf champions League. Uh, such a great guy to, to get some insight as to why MLS teams, historically in a modern format, have struggled. A- anything you, you want to piggyback, piggyback off of with DeMarcus or, or maybe disagree with?
1: It's hard to disagree with him, right, <laughs> with a guy that – has been at it firsthand and and ground level, however you want to call it. But I agree with most of what he said. Obviously, the big key factor here is it's going to be money and pumping it into the rosters and giving these teams
0: the ability excuse me, to dive deeper into these tournaments. But for me, it's the old format. It's the old format because if you take a look at results now, Tyler said to you,
1: we need to keep apples to apples. So it's, it's basically the past three years, and this is the third year, so it's only two years. We've seen, okay, teams make a run to the final. Obviously, that was Toronto. They lost to Chivas. And we get Atlanta United that loses in the quarterfinals. But, but if you go back every single other year, they haven't just been competitive, MLS teams. They're making strides. You have to go back to before the rebrand. You go back to 1998. DC United took the tournament down. It was called something different then, of course. And you had Alley Galaxy. 2000. Two in the span of three years were able to take this tournament down. Before the restructure, before the, restructure, before the way they did the formatting. The The worst year was was actually actually back in 2009, 2009, 2010. 2010. Only one team made it out of the group play. It was Columbus Crew. That was astonishing to me. Number one, that it was the crew that got out. But (laughs) you take a look, shot across the bow, (laughs) but you take a look at the team and all the teams that have come in all the other years, you've got at least two, three teams making it to the quarters and making it to the semifinals. That's easier this year because you get a bypass for the round of 16 immediately. So you've got a 50 50 chance. It's easy to look at the numbers and go, okay, well, we had a finalist in 2017 in Toronto. We've had three semifinalists and seven quarterfinalists altogether. Yeah, but you basically get four teams into the quarter or the round of 16 anyway. So your odds are going to increase. So I still think the old format reaches them better because you're hitting full strides, your team is playing much better. I don't mind the fact that then it was middle to end of the year. Yes, you could argue that guys are tired. I don't care. I would rather have a team that was ready to play and knew they were seasoned, they had experienced things, than a team that was coming into the beginning of the year, shot in the dark, it's a wink and a prayer from distance.
0: My biggest thing with, with with your argument there and that the old format, for me it's the new format, and just for this simple reason, the roster looks so much different from when you might have won that MLS Cup to then when you're competing in the most competitive games within Scotiabank, CONCACAF Champions League, because it's not until the following calendar year that you're starting to do that, around March. And also having to balance MLS playoffs right around the corner, potentially at, you're at the end of the U.S. Open Cup if you're lucky enough to be there, and then Champions League as well. I think the workload is is incredible. And, you know, we talked to Garth Lagerway and we heard his bits last week in terms of how difficult it is to balance it. For me, it, having all of that in in the same stretch of the calendar year is really, really difficult. But only time will tell. Just realize one quick follow-up on that.
1: Don't disagree. Okay. However, you could make the same argument for League MX teams where the... 100%. Al-Zor,
0: because you win this spring... Come back now. They get to spend as much money as they want. They don't have a salary cap, so they can just buy players. that can That's deal right. with it. God, they're it's, so it's smart. So, they, it's it. So they get simple. it. It's so simple. They get it's it. So simple. All right, folks. When we come back, we'll take a look at the bracket, specifically Seattle Sounders and Olympian. What lies ahead for them potentially if they are to progress? Stay with us. Continue to dig through this Seattle and Olympia matchup, which is inching closer and closer. Still a little bit of a ways off. We still need to get into the month of February, but I can. I, my fingers are starting to tingle. 24th, Do you got him there. carry the one. That's like two days away. Is it two days? Well, Not until we get to Yeah, he's never been good with Matt. He didn't pass. That's why he's here in the studio talking about football with you all. But <laughs> let's let's talk for a second about the, this bracket and for Seattle and Olympia. And when you look at the right side of the bracket compared to the left side of the bracket, we'll zoom in on Seattle and Olympia and sort of that, what that little grouping looks like there with Montreal and Saprissa. If I'm Brian Schmetzer in Seattle... I'm licking my chops at this side. I oh, mean, yeah. this I, I don't want to say it's a cakewalk into the semifinal, but what, what's short? Of, what's just short of a cakewalk? Is it like a pastry walk, something along those lines? Top skip, and a jump. Yeah, Danish walk, yeah, something, yeah. Like, yeah. But uh, listen, Montreal, Saprissa, I mean, these are all teams that Seattle, just having won an MLS Cup, they feel like they should be able to beat them. But again, you can't overlook a, a team like Olympia because they will bury you. The right side of the bracket is just loaded with teams that can kind of
1: do whatever they want, right? its It's not a disrespectful comment to that side. It's just everybody's on the left. And the, it's kind of funny how it flip-flops, how you had Leon in pot two, they end up on the left-hand side and they're stacked. Yeah. T Grace team, I said, they're my favorites in the dark horse. They're in the last four finals. Oh, here you go. Let's throw you in the top right and just <laughs> have a little day with it. So it's going to be a fun one. But again, to your point, they have a lot of work to do, but I feel like it's a lot less than what's going on, on the other side of the bracket.
0: Well, for this Olympia group, I mean, they had one of the most epic collapses in the history of CONCACAF. And that, I, that is not a hyperbole, that is just a fact. And we have to go back and take a look at it because this was by far one of the best games of Scotiabank CONCACAF League of 2019. And, and this is exactly why we have the new format and why all these teams have to participate so we can have moments and ties. Like this, we'll start with the first leg, and this is in Honduras, and it ends up being Jorge Benguche who bags a brace. He gets one in the first half, and he gets one in the second half. The one in the second half was a mighty impressive goal. Saprisa had actually, or Olympiá rather, had gone down a man, and watch Jorge Benguce just absolutely go to work on Jalen Haddon. This was part of our top five goals of scotia Conca Cup League, and. At this point in time, if you're Olympia, having the 2 lead heading back to Costa Rica, you have to feel mighty good about yourself. Amazing, and I remember talking about it after this game was over, and you and I were kind of like, okay, well, they have a
1: lot of work to do, but it's game, set, match, right? You walk into this stadium, okay, yeah, it's gonna be a hostile environment, but it was only half full. Literally, there's only about 12,000 fans in the stadium, so now you're walking in going, wow, we don't have our hands full. We got this thing in the bag, but that's not how it worked out. Saprisa got out early, they got things going, and they think, okay, maybe we've got a chance, but Olympia came right back. They got
0: out in front 3-1, and now I'm thinking, okay, this is over. And this is second half Jorge Alvarez, the Honduran Youth International, great goal. Look at the celebration from Olympia. They think they have this thing won, and to be fair in any other tie against any other team, they would, it was 3-1, and at this point, Saprissa needs three goals. They need a win on the aggregate because of the away goal. And slowly but surely, look at the ball from Venegas. the finish from Angulo. It's the Marvin Angulo highlight reel. Bends in this free kick. Now, it's tied. If you're Olympia, you're still in control here. All you have to do A is wiggle. get out of trouble. Awego. What happens?
1: Nothing happens, that's the problem. Watch the back line. There's no emotion whatsoever. Nobody takes off after. Second, third, fourth chances, watch right now. I'm going to give you 20 yards of space. You do whatever you want. Dissecting ball, nothing happens. Okay. turnover, let's play out of the back. Let's do it selfishly and give it right back to the squad. And again, nobody steps. This is a point in time when you get into a match, late in cup games, where you have to dig down deep. The soccer smarts and the IQ has to take another step. Worst case scenario, if your body is that tired, now you want to play that ball. But if you're that tired, knock it down the pitch. Honestly, it is that do bad. anything but that. It is anything. that bad of a performance at the tail end of the game. Now mind you, to start this match, the second leg, at no point in time did I actually think Olympia looked good. They got a goal, and that was fine. Yeah. And when they got Broken out to, play. when they got out the front in 3-1, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, they should have won, but they didn't look good by any means at all. Now you talked about Angulo, Barantes in the middle, Randall Leal, Nashville SC, you guys are getting a good one. He's obviously transferred over there. They just looked bad, though. Like, Saprisa
0: picked them apart, and tactically, it was not impressive whatsoever. And this is, I mean, all the credit in the world is to and you're not going to take anything away from what they were able to do. Of course. But Olympia falling apart like that, the majority of that is self-inflicted wounds. And Angulo free kick, that was an absolute stunner in the top ends. And then I-, I know that you don't like the clearances and everything that led up to the last goal, but the ball from Zuniga Beautiful. and then the finish from from Ramirez, I mean, come on. And that place, even though that place wasn't full, it was absolutely rocking at Estadio, Estadio Ricardo, Supriza, Aima. But any other thoughts on that game? I mean, for me... If you're looking at that Olympia team, I'm such an intangible guy. If they had won that game and gotten to the final and maybe even won CONCACAF League, I feel like they have so much more momentum heading into Champions League. But exiting CONCACAF League in such a woeful, abysmal fashion,
1: yeah.
0: it, it hurts. And then the start to their season. It hurts. And then the, the start to the season. Well, one of the
1: good things is... is- you know, continue to join us for these shows. Again, Monday, Friday, 5 Eastern Standard Time, Scotia Scotiabank, Cup Champions League show. We're going to recap everything, and we're going to do a lot of tactical breakdowns, one of which for me on these teams would have been Olympia and their inability to respond to Saprisa, where Saprisa would turn their midfield into a diamond shape. You did not have the boys in the middle, Alvarez and Pineda. They weren't shifting. That's communication. That's stuff that when you get into these cup games, you have to communicate appropriately. It doesn't matter how tired you are, how deep this game is going. You have to find ways to get better. So we're going to give you a peek behind the curtain. We're going to do interviews, phone calls in, all that fun stuff. But most importantly, Olympia, Seattle, first one, done. Get excited. Another one's right around the corner.
0: Any Anything in particular that Olympia needs to do to ensure success?
1: Yes. It's, I said it before, it's communication. That's it? Yeah, well, emotion was a big—there's a million things that it could be. But what it came down to for me was you saw guys, when they tried to move into the final third, go off on their own. No one was trailing. Okay, well, that's a couple problems there, but it can be a shot from behind. You start from your goalkeeper, you move from your center backs, and you move forward. When you watch them play, they didn't have the worst execution. The problem was is it was one-offs. It was almost like, okay, especially in the second leg, we're up. We're going to just keep going. We can die this and kill this game out. It's like kids who are 18, 19, 20 years old going into the collegiate game in the United States
0: running down into the corner. The problem is they were doing five minutes into the second leg. The biggest problem for me was that this is an Olympia group that only gave up two goals heading into that Smacked semifinal, and then, you, yeah. and then you give up that many. I mean, you shut Saprissa out being down a man at They also at didn't home. score a lot either. They didn't that. score a lot, yeah. no. And, and Ever Alvarado, who's their outside back and sometimes center back depending on the formation that they were playing, was probably their most dynamic player going forward besides Jorge Ben Gucci, who's paired up with Jerry Bengston who's made some runs with New England Revolution before but it, it was just such a it was such a collapse and it was, you know it was almost, it was like a bad car accident you can't look away but you can't not watch at the same time it was it was bizarre if you're,
1: if you're laying chase and you're bringing Benguche off in the 65th minute you have a serious problem you have a problem, problem. You have a problem. they knew it right away and they could not catch up and you know credit to the coach to try and make changes but when he's coming off if I'm a player on the field and he's coming off I'm going oh you know what we are in trouble
0: well, we have a lot going on within Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League, but we always, always, always want to pay respect to everything else going around our beloved region and within the beautiful game on both sides of the ball, men and women's. Of course, CONCACAF Women's Olympic qualifying for Tokyo 2020 is just around the corner. And if you're in the Houston area, do me a favor, head over to Discovery Green Park in the Hall of Fem. It's an interactive women's soccer sort of palooza, epicenter. It's it's so cool. There's so many different things that you can do. There's a bar up top. I know that's getting Devon's attention, but there's a lot of different things that you can do here. It's great. The three different locations, BBVA, HEB Park and Dignity Health, obviously the first two in Texas and then the final one in California, all ahead of Tokyo 2020 CONCACAF Women's Olympic qualifying. But folks, we hope you have the best of best weekends. We will be back here on Monday. 5 o'clock Eastern time, same exact time, a week from today, 5 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. But until then, we bid you adieu, and we're going to let you soak in the first leg of Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League from last year's final between Tigris and Monterey one more time in our 90 in 60. Have a great weekend, folks.